Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. You're very welcome to another Irishman running abroad podcast with me, Jarlath Regan, back home in Ireland at last with one marathon finishers medal to my name and Sonia Sullivan in America with 16 major athletics championship medals in her back pocket, including world European 5000 gold, European 10,000 gold, two world cross country goals and 5000 meter silver. And of course, the Sydney Olympics in 2000 this week we are going to go way way back to 1987 to one of the races that puts Sonia on the map and she takes us inside the creation of that national record that still stands today 36 years later but first Sonia how has your week been running out foreign so yeah so running week has been pretty good um I suppose a few normal kind of runs which you know they're not very exciting or interesting just you know from home around the nike campus and it looks the same picture on the strava Um, but i had i had a really good interesting run on the weekend i went for a trip away on the weekend with sophie and um she runs you know relatively fast these days when she goes for a long run sure so we were in a new place and i knew she needed to run a decent long run not but i didn't want her to get lost because she's got a big race coming up this week the regional nca championships so it's the west region where they try and qualify for the nca championships right so that's crucial yeah so you know you have to run this week is one of those weeks where you have to run enough but not too much so you don't want to taper too much because hopefully if you get through this week then you go on and you run again in two weeks time Mm. Um, so you don't want to be losing fitness even though at the same time you do have to run these races like a final because if you don't get through they have two qualifying rounds so the first round just 48 athletes qualify and then there's four races of 12 and then five from each race and the next two fastest will go forward to the next round which is two days later my god the amount of, then, amount of kids taking part oh it's amazing like the, the depth over here is outrageous like the and the quality of the depth as well is it's really strong for athletes in college. And the amazing thing is a lot of these athletes, only a small percentage of them will continue on at a very high level. Yeah. And some, many of them will maintain it in their life as fitness and enjoyment. But yeah, it, it's just a breeding ground really for high level athletics, especially at the top end. Then in the second round on Saturday, again, they have to be top five. It's two races, top five and two fastest and 12. So 12 out of 48 will go through wow. to the end finals in, in another two weeks time. So you did this uh, long run with her just trying to keep up on the bike, you say here on Strava. She's she's running a fair clip, clearly. Oh, yeah. And like the thing is, it was probably slowed down a bit because of it was in the forest and it was twisty and turny. And it, it was, believe it or not, it was hard work for me <laughs> with the bike. <laughs> Uh, I suppose when when a bike is not your own bike as well, it can take a bit of getting used to. And it was it was actually a very nice bike, but when you hit the roots and you know these steep little hills, which you know you couldn't get up them in a few steps when you're running, but on the bike, 
you know, it, it sets you back. Yeah, you're and, out of the saddle. I know. <laughs> and if you, you know, if you don't change the gears, you're off the bike and running, and it was chaos out there. But the good thing was that by me going out with her on Saturday, then on Sunday I was able to see what was involved, and you could kind of picture the route a lot better. And it was amazing. It was, it was a, it was on Bainbridge Island in Seattle. She'd take a ferry, thirty-five minutes. Hmm. And so we ran around, there's a, there's a small basic park, battleground park, and um, there's just playing fields there and nice little flat trail and a little duck pond. But then you can venture off, you know, from the forest to the sky trail and then into the Grand Forest. The Grand Forest East, which leads to Grand Forest West. And these forests were not that big, but they were grand. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it, you could make this amazing loop, like you could easily run for 90 minutes. Um, yeah. But, you know, it was a kind of, you felt like you could have got lost at any moment, even though it was a small space. Um, but I somehow managed to work it out to a decent level. But you, you're covering a lot of miles, I noticed these days, Son, You're like clocking up to 70 kilometers each week uh what are you i see there's yoga thrown into your week at the moment what are you prepping for and how much is the yoga fitting into that well the yoga is just kind of something to do in the evening time it's nice and relaxing and it actually has been the weather has been nice here and the yoga classes over at the coach k building at nike they've actually been outside lovely so you know very nice i've in the evening time, I sometimes just hop on the bike and head over there. I suppose it's just something nice to do in the evening, you know, to mm. relax. And um, and then the running, I decided that for my long runs on the weekends that I want to go exploring to different places. And so, you know, it's not just a out and back boring yeah. run for the sake of a run. <laughs> yeah. I'm not actually training for anything specific at the moment. Um, maybe in the back of my head, the, the Great North Run could be an option. But the main thing at the moment is to try and stay on top of, you know, these aches and pains that I have all the time. Mm -hmm. in my foot and in my hip. I went to see um, an Irish physio there last week in Eugene, uh, David Campbell. He was um, an 800 meter runner back in his day. And uh, one of the few people to win the Irish National 800 and 1500 meter title um, in one go. I think that was in like 2006, maybe. Oh, wow. How long has he been out there? So he's been out here enough now that he sounds American. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Same has not happened he'd, to you. <laughs> he'd hate to say it. He'd hate to hear that, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. It's nearly it's unavoidable. Like, no, he, he, enough that he has immersed himself in it. So I think that, you see, the thing is, I think. When somebody moves to another country, particularly to America, probably Australia as well, if you're working on a day-to-day -day basis where you're talking to people, then I think it's, your, your accent will change because mm. you're kind of, you reflect the talk back and forth with each other. And, and it, probably the people that you're talking with, they probably pick up some Irish words as well and yeah. you know, go off saying Irish things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, films. Um, and, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But David was great. He's up there in Eugene and it's, you know, less than two hours away. So I thought, no, I'm going to go up here. And he gave me a few exercises to do. You know, it's always, you're always managing things and just getting a few new ideas of things to help you to, to stay on top of the aches and pains. And 
on the weekend it was great. I stayed in, we stayed in a lovely Airbnb in in a farmhouse, and I met the, the lady there, and she was a bit of a runner as well. And we were kind of comparing war wounds and stuff, and how you're always thinking that the next injury you get is the one that's going to stop you. <laughs> oh god! And somehow you somehow you battle on and you manage through it, and um, you come out the other side. You find a way, and I think that's that's what my runs are at the moment it's just you're just finding a way to to keep enjoying it keep doing it and you know the main purpose is when you go to a nice place or you know a different place that you have the ability to go out there and to embrace the run enjoy it and be able to explore these these great parks yeah i mean you really are in prime running territory there by the sounds of it and as you mentioned the uh the niggles and nicks and the just the challenge of running while getting older we're all facing no one's getting any younger the book that came to mind was the one you recommended a while ago by keith bateman and heidi jones older yet faster is the book that i'd recommend people pick up you can download it digitally of course in apple books or on your kindle it's just a brilliant book covering you know how to do what sonia is doing which is keep going keep finding a way to run and manage these things and still run at a respectable pace. How old was the lady in the cottage? Was she, uh, uh, what, um, what ballpark she was, was she in? Bit, I'd say she was maybe a bit younger than me, maybe 40s. Mm. Yeah, but we all, they had a farm there. It was great. There was sheep and chickens and it was just lovely. Lovely. Uh, so we had a great time. So how was your running week? Did you? What was your... Oh, listen, you I've been all over the place. I started my running week in Mayo. Unfortunately, uh, we lost a family member. One of Tina's uncles died. Shout out to all of the uh, Roland Massive out there in Mayo who came out for the funeral and managed to get in a run from Mulrani through the beautiful beautiful greenway out there that's where i'm going to spend a lot of august writing my new stand-up show so it's a real test out of the the greenway path and sonia it is something special it has to be said just breathtaking views perfect gravel running path so once i got back from that and as you know these funerals and these trips away especially when you're i was already touring down in cork last week just exhausted coming back trying to get the session in that Vinny had prescribed you can find my session there on uh, my Strava he said uh, me a 500s session which was which broke down as uh, a 2k warm-up and then 500 meters hard then 500 meters easy eight times with a 2k cool down I wore the new Soconi uh pros that uh, John Buckley Sports gave me some time ago and they are a hell of a shoe I mean these things you don't know you're wearing shoes they're so light uh, so I had a lot of crack doing that and really the week just rounded off with a, an, a very simple couple of 11 and 16k runs just to uh, just to round it out, I'm still not not back at it fully, to be totally honest. But nothing as exciting as what you were doing, Sonia. I'm trying to fit all these runs in around the shows. I want to give a shout out to everybody who came out to see the show in Thurless and Blanchardstown. I also did the uh, TV awards in House Hotel on Leeson Street on, on Thursday afternoon lunchtime. So between all of that plate spinning, Vinny came out to see the show on uh, Friday night as well. All that plate spinning and with your coaching at Union, which we haven't talked about at all yet, 
the big, one of the big questions I got was how do you manage the time and how do you find the time for it? I'm getting asked that question now with the tour and all of this. What's your top tip in terms of managing your time to squeeze this thing in? Um, well, at the moment when we have training sessions and we do have them nearly every day now because so many athletes are racing and they're racing on different days and they get split up. So you, instead of having sessions every second day, you have them every day a lot of the time. I find I just get up a bit earlier and mm. um, I just, you know, I start my run at eight something rather than nine something. Right. Uh, and it's actually, it works out like there's a double bonus there because if I always find if you get the run in early, then you're kind of free for the rest of the day and, you know, you're not kind of thinking, oh, I got to find a spot for a run here. <laughs> um, but also on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, when people work here, they don't tend to work on Monday and Friday. Um, there's a lot more traffic. So if I can get over to Nike around 8 o'clock or 8.30, I can avoid the school traffic and I can actually have a choice of where I park. Whereas if I go after 9, there's nowhere to park and you can get stuck out there with all the yellow school buses going around. So I made the commitment to go a bit earlier on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday particularly and I just parked the car and instead of going into the locker room and stuffing around and you yeah. know, wasting time, yep. I just run from the car mm. and then come back to the car and, and actually the bonus has been that it's warm weather and sunny so I can actually do a quick change and go straight to the track and you know in the winter time when it's cold and raining you have to get a shower and get changed properly. And some people would be saying, what, you don't get a shower? <laughs> <laughs> I do eventually. But I've been on double duty as well recently because one of our athletes is in the swimming pool. So I've been helping her out with some pool sessions. And because it's so warm and nice out, not today, but it has been recently, it's kind of, you, look, you enjoy going into the swimming pool. So I do a bit of a run in the morning, then go to the training, and then go straight from training to the swimming pool and um, do a bit of a session in there with her. And yeah, so I'm kind of squeezing it all in. Yeah. So that's why I have to bring my lunchbox with me. <laughs> yeah, so this I, famous so lunchbox have... has been pictured on Instagram. Sonia holding it up with <laughs> like it's an Olympic medal. Uh, what is in the lunchbox, Sonia? That's the question. Well, the lunchbox, it sits on the counter every night and then I... There's definitely a banana, a couple of mandarins, a, few, a scone, and then anything else that's around the place that's easy to throw in goes in. <laughs> Nothing too specific. There's no sandwiches or anything like that. Um, I generally will come home in the afternoon. Um, and it's funny because the afternoon can be like 4.30 or 5 o'clock. And I was caught a couple of times last week by Sophie. Um at that time, making my lunch. And she's like, well, what time of the day is this to be having lunch? Because <laughs> <laughs> then when are you going to have your dinner? I'm like, I know. It's kind of like lunch runs into dinner. So the, the lunch salad becomes the, the, what do you call it? The, the starter for the dinner two hours later. <laughs> I'm amazed that that's what's in there. Because I was picturing, like you say, scones. I was like, I did not 
think scones were going to be part of this uh, this lunchbox setup. But I guess you just can't beat a scone, can you? Because it's also got that. Uh, it's half dessert, half treat, half uh, you know sustainable food that will last you throughout the day. I know. I love good. I love a good scone. Like once you find somewhere that makes them, and they can be a little bit sweet here, but um, you can get these nice spelt. I can you can buy a box of them, so you can have them for the week. You know, so you can. <laughs> there you there's go. always there, there's always one ready to go, um, and. It's funny, I'll often bring two because then you have one to offer to someone else. Like Pete, he's always starving as well and he's you know, doesn't bring lunch with him. And I'll say, do you want a scone? And they kind of look at you like... Um, <laughs> Who brings a scone? scone? <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, oh, actually, this tastes pretty good. <laughs> like when you're really hungry, a scone oh, yeah. is really good. <laughs> well, let's go all the way back then, Sonia. The Cork City Sports had some unfortunate news uh, this week. When it emerged that this year's Cork City Sports World Athletics Continental Tour for 2023, what was planned for this summer, has been cancelled. Now, Sonia, what's the reason for the cancellation here? I believe that the track was being resurfaced and it wasn't complete on time or it's not going to be completed on time. Mm. It's a very tough call because this this meat has a very special place in the hearts of an awful lot of people. Why is that? Well, I think the Cork City Sports, it's been going for, oh, I mean, a long time now. I mean, it's they must be up in their 70-something year, 80-something year. We'll have to look this up. Hmm. I should know this. Um, I think the one of the few times, they may have only missed in the COVID years. And they came back last year and it was a great event. Like, it was live-streamed, there was crowds in the stand. There was great races. And that was the big thing was there was a lot of great races. So it wasn't all about running fast times, but there was really great competitive races. Um, so, you know, all of a sudden you think, oh, no, they're going to lose the momentum now of this um, um, by having to cancel. And, you know, a lot of people would have it in their plans already because not everybody can run. Yeah. In the Diamond League races and, you know, the higher level races in Europe. So this is, Cork is a great meet to, to come to and you can spend a few days. Actually, Sophie was going to come and run 3,000 meters as well. Mm. Um, and so because of that, then I suppose I have my good memories of running at the Cork City Sports over many years, but particularly 1987 when I ran 3,000 meters. And this wasn't um, just any 3,000 metres, was it? The, what age were you at the time? So I was 17 years old. And um, so I had just finished school. And I was, it was the summer before I was about to head to Villanova. And um, I had won the Irish cross country earlier in the year, um, surprisingly to me and everybody else. And... Yeah, I had never run the Cork City Sports before. There was never any junior races. I think they used to have a junior men's 3,000 metres. And somehow I was going to run in the Cork City Sports 3,000 metres. And to me, the Cork City Sports was, you know, that was like a diamond league back yeah. then. Or, you know, it was a big meet. I mean, people came there like Mary Slaney. Um, Steve Ovet. Steve Ovet, John Walker. And then, of course, Marcus O'Sullivan, Frank O'Mara, like all the best Irish yeah, runners yeah. ran there. The, the celebs then, of Irish running. There was, 
you know, a whole slew of of international runners would come there. I think I'm, I'm Mary Slaney, I, I always remember her running. I can remember watching it on TV and they used to show it on TV and she was on the front page of the Evening Echo. And that was a big deal. You know, I think she ran 800 meters. There must have been a whole tour of American athletes that came that year for some reason. Um, and so, you know, just something like that makes you think, you know, if you have like people who run in the Olympics running at the Cork City Sports, then it's a big deal. And mm. so for me to go there as a schoolgirl, there was no expectation or pressure or anything. And I just ran around and somehow I won the race. <laughs> oh, well, we're not going to gloss over this race just like that, <laughs> because by all accounts, this was a little bit special. And Mary Donahue, uh, who had lost the National Cross Country Championship to you, and there'd been some sort of suggestion that this fall that she'd taken during the cross country championship was the only reason that she lost. Was that in your mind at all when you lined up against her to prove a point? Like, what was the headspace of seventeen-year-old Sonia for this? Aside from the, you know, the overwhelm of "Oh my God, I'm here at Cork City Sports." No, there was nothing like that because, you know, there was no real interaction like you would see now, because. The only thing was written in newspapers and I, you know, hardly saw a newspaper except for the Evening Echo. Um, I probably didn't even know the people who were in the race. You know, I wouldn't really? have known. No. I mean, you wouldn't, probably wouldn't even see a start list. You would just turn up and run. And I can remember I was down in Cove walking around the town in the afternoon with my friends. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, I better go. I've got to go up to, the, I've got to go to the track this evening. And like they didn't even know that I was running this race. And then the wow. next day I was, you know, on the front of the paper. And <laughs> so, you know, you go from, you know, being out there with your friends. Hanging out. Hanging out for the afternoon to running an international track race. So I think the kind of innocence of it all is the thing that's really special for me is that there was no great expectation. There was... You know, I wasn't thinking anything. I was just going to run a race and see how I would do. Okay, well, let me ask you this question then. At halfway in uh, corkathletics.org, the uh, PDF that I've pulled up that was written at the time, it said that uh, it was that at halfway, Sonia was absolutely cruising behind both Mary and Melissa Watson. But they had opened up a gap of 15 metres on you at halfway. Uh, and you looked beaten at the halfway point. Did you ever sense that during the race, that this this might be beyond you, that you are too young to be out here? Or was there just tons in the tank? Um, no, I think it probably just got a bit hard for me. You know, I'd never run that far. Or I'd run that far before. I'd never run that fast that far before. And so, you know, typical of me, back in those days and now that you mentioned that I think there is footage of it somewhere so I'm going to look it up because it reminds me of um, the race Sophie ran last weekend at the Pac-12 and she came from nowhere to fourth place and I think it was similar for me at the Cork City Sports I think I was so far out of the picture that it looked like I was well and truly beaten mm. and then I just kind of it's one of those things when you come around and the bell rings and the last lap and 
you kind of sense that you're gaining on the leaders or the people in front of you, then all of a sudden you have renewed motivation and you do things that you don't think are possible. Like you think you're spent and you can't go and all of a sudden you can lift because you see the finish line and you've had, you're just able to do it. You know, you're just able to run that, that last lap. And I think that's the thing that's really important for athletes is if you're able to finish fast, then you never really have to worry about the last lap. You just have to worry about getting to that point. And then you just kind of go above and beyond everything that you think possible. And, you know, you, 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 I I always call it, it's bonus points or bonus time that you gain. And it's like bonus positions. So Hmm. your ability to, you know, go from running maybe nine, 10 pace for 3000 meters to running 60 second pace over you're, you're, you're gaining 10 seconds. So you're running 10 to 12 seconds faster for that last lap than you were as you were cruising along. So you gain so much. Uh, the in- time you ran was nine minutes, one second. And as we said, that's a record that still stands today. When you cross the line, I mean, looking at a very grainy picture of a very young Sonia in an Adidas singlet and shorts, the you, you must do you see a clock? Is there somebody with a stopwatch? Who's how's this timed and when do you cotton on? Oh, my God, I've just set this national record that uh, would last right to this day. Yeah, I mean, there was a clock at the finish line. And yeah, I mean, to me, I was just most excited about winning the race and you know there was friends of mine jumped the fence and came over and were giving me a big hug and all excited and you know all of a sudden this kind of I suppose escalated me into you know the ranks of you know not just winning the cross country but this running a time like that back then was relevant Hmm. to a lot of people I think I'm pretty sure the Olympic qualifying time for 1988 at the time was 9.03. So I was inside the Olympic qualifying time. At 17 but, years old. Yeah, but, but nobody even noticed. Like, we, <laughs> nobody, we didn't talk about that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, over the coming months and going to Villanova and everything else, I got injured. So any talk or thoughts of the Olympics was gone out the window. Um, but it was never kind of like, we never really dwelled on that or thought, oh, what could have been or what should have been. It was just, well, this is where we're at now. We need to move forward. And, you know, there was no disappointment about what ifs, you know, oh, you could have been at the Olympics. I don't ever remember discussing or even thinking about that. Why? Um, Probably because I was so young that people didn't think it was something that you could do. And it was like, oh, well, no, you you wouldn't be going anywhere because you're too young for that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Which is the opposite of how people think now. Get them up there as quick as possible. Yeah. In your book, you you detail this. You give it a full (laughs) one sentence (laughs) in the book. It says, back in 1987, I had actually run a time uh, for 3000 meters of nine minutes, one second, which would have qualified me for the Olympics in 1988. But when I went to America, I found I couldn't get anywhere near the time again. And suddenly I was hopeless and I stayed that way for quite a while. I mean, is that one of the reasons why this memory really stands out for you because when you were going through that injured period, you're holding on to this thought that Cork City sports burned into your memory 
no, I am fast and I will get fast again. Yeah, well, I think when you taste success like that, then you always want to get back there. And you want to make sure that that wasn't just a once off, that you can actually do this over and over again. And, um, you know, you can be taken so far away from it through injury, through, you know, just growing up and developing and things change. It takes you a while to kind of find your true ability again. So you know what you can do. But then you can do things when you're younger a lot easier than when, you know, just a couple of years and it can become much harder to do the same things. Yeah. You know, and that's not just getting older when you're older, but just, you know, that transition from a junior athlete to a senior athlete, which, you know, now they have the European under 23 championships, which is a bit of a developmental step for some athletes need it. Some don't. Some athletes need it as that stepping stone to get them up to senior level, whereas others can just give right over it and, you know, win the Olympics at 21 years old and things like that. So I think different athletes develop at mm. different rates. And, but I think when you do taste success at a young age, then in a way it can be harder because you have this thing hanging over you that I, I need to get back to being able to do that again. Mm. And how was that? How was that so easy for me back then? Um, and, and some people never get back there. And then others, you know, my coach, Sean Kennedy, he always said, oh, the great athletes, you know, they always, you know, when things don't go their way, they always find a way to get back there again. And it's not, you know, the results that you've had, but how you get back to where you were before and the ones that come back and find a way are, are the really great athletes. Well, what a perfect place to end the first half of my conversation with Sonia this week. A little bit of reeling in the ears, you'd have to say, uh, and something that we're looking forward to doing a little bit more of. Is there a particular memory from your life that you connect with Sonia that uh, you want to know about? Why don't you mail us irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com and we can do one of these again where we get Sonia to take us back to that race. Maybe it's trying to go around Javo in Sydney. Maybe it's that World Cross Country Championships that we spoke about before. Or is it something else completely? Did you meet Sonia at your local track and <laughs> so want to see if she remembers it? Well, get in touch. Irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com. I want to give a very quick shout out to East Mayo Athletic Club and their Colm Horkin Memorial Run this weekend it is a 5k 10k and half marathon option available you can enter virtually online at eventmaster hashtag run for column shout out to everybody at east mayo athletic club who got in touch and asked me to give this shout out we've got so much more coming in the second half of my conversation with sonia especially around the subject of resilience and how do you coach kids and athletes today with respect to their mental health, Sonia talks about the challenges of doing that and how mental health wasn't even a discussion back in her day when she found herself backed into a corner. So we'll have a little chat about that over in the second half of the show on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. Sonia will pick her runners of the week on Strava and lots, lots more. Come on over for the price of a pint each month. You can get access to everything. One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise.
Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress,